0: Bibles open them up to Hebrews 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to look at two verses 14 through 15 to start it off. All right. You having a good time yet? Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, I mean, out of that testimony, if they would have just rolled over and listened to the doctor, he would probably be six foot under right now. Right? But listen to this statement. They allowed God to have the last word. Because they agreed with the word of God, and they spoke the word of God. Oh, I'm telling you, right? Yeah, God has the last word if you let him have the last word. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 12. All right. I got a long one for you today. Hope I didn't lose you on that. Uh, Here it goes. Uh, 14 through 15. There it is. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, underline that, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. All right, now one more, go to Matthew, Matthew 7. Man, I'm having fun today already. This is great. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. The words are in red. It means that Jesus is doing the speaking, all right? It says, enter by the narrow gate. Say narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it now today I want to talk about a topic that is not very popular in many churches all right but you know me I'm gonna go there all right yet when I read the word of God when you read the word of God this topic is found throughout the pages from Genesis to Revelation all right and how many of you know we need to preach and teach the whole word of God Right, The whole Word of God, especially the topics that God has put a lot of emphasis on. Say emphasis. Because there are topics where where they're just there, they're there, they're here, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people, I hate to say that some things are minors in the Bible, they're not. But some, I'm just going to say, some people major on minors and minor on majors. All right? Like, is my dog Max going to be in heaven when I die and go to heaven, you know? Come on, give me a break. All right, and then they avoid all these other important topics, all right? But every, every topic is, is important in the Word of God. But we need to maintain the heartbeat of God. Say, heartbeat of God. If He's seen fit to really stress a topic in the Word of God, there is a reason for that. And we need to dig into that topic and find out why. Amen? So, but listen, before I tell you what I'm going to talk about here. On any given topic in the word of God, any topic, we need to keep this one thing in mind, all right? Any command that God gives us as his children, it is to protect us and to show us how to walk in his blessing. Amen? Amen. All right, just stick that in your memory bank. Go to Deuteronomy 5, Deuteronomy five twenty nine. a couple more scriptures here. Deuteronomy 5, 29, and this is God who's saying this, keep keep in mind. It said, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me or reverence or respect me and always keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Now go to Psalm 35, 27. I'm putting a puzzle together for you today. Psalm 35, 27 it says let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them continually and let them say continually let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant all right so just keep in mind that is the will of God for his children all of the commandments. All of the boundaries that he has set for us revolve around those mindsets right there. That it might be well with us and with our children forever. And that we would prosper. Amen? Now notice it says he takes pleasure in who prospering? His servant. Servants. Say servants. Servant, right. That means you're serving God. Right. Amen? Just see, some of these things, it's incredible how the Holy Spirit just illuminates one word and it it just rocks your world. Amen? All right, so, but many people are so off in judging God's motives. Have you ever noticed that sometimes? So many people, they're so off in judging God's motives. Uh, That's why many call God's commands legalistic. There's a word that's thrown around pretty loosely in the body of Christ. Oh, that's legalism. Oh, that's legalism. No, that's the commandments of God. That's the boundaries of God. Amen? All right, so we got to be careful that we just don't throw that word around. And, And to be honest about it, these people don't read enough of God's word to catch the heartbeat of God on the matter, okay? On top of that, on top of that, they're just trying to justify their sin. And how many of you know that's the society we're living in right now? All right? And the problem with that is, yeah, we know it's in the, out in society, but the problem with that is, that mindset has crept into the body of Christ. All right? And that's where we run into some problems. But God is not being a control freak, but rather he is being a loving Father and instructing us on how to live in such a way, to stay connected, connected to him, on an earth that is plagued with the curse. Are you still breathing out there today? Come on. All right. It, he's being a loving father instructing us. The Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. All right. So today, what am I talking about? What am I trying to set myself up for today? Today I want to talk about holiness and what it means to live a holy life. What are the benefits of living a holy life? I mean, is it really worth the effort? Or are we wasting our time? So today I I have entitled this message, The Path of Life. And why did I call it that? Because living a holy life as a Christian is the path that truly leads to a fulfilling life on this earth. All right, And the opposite is true. Not living a holy life as a Christian will only invite the enemy in. Right? It will invite hardships into your life. And it will bring discontent into your life, all right? So, I mean, if there's some discontent going on in your life right now, you might want to just check up on your holy, holiness walk, amen? amen. All right? Because I'm telling you, I mean, all the, the research on this topic, it's incredible how this all ties in if we're going to live that abundant life that Jesus promised us, okay? Okay? But when the pleasure of sin that lasts only for a season ends, come on, you will find yourself empty and on a road to nowhere. Amen? How many of you have found that out before? You're just on a road to nowhere. You're trying to fill that void that only Jesus can fill. Right? And you're trying to fill it with worldly stuff and it just isn't going to do it. So let's begin by first determining, what is holiness? I mean, is holiness mean... Just uh, women wearing long skirts. Is holy, does holiness mean uh, don't wear makeup? Don't, okay, I won't go there, all right? No, let me, let me just assure you, it doesn't mean that, okay? That's not holiness. See, th- this is what I'm saying. We got to stay connected to the heartbeat of God. I mean, people get in the ditch big time. Say ditch. We need to stay in the center of the road, all right? So what is holiness? Holiness is a condition of the heart that manifests in outward actions and words. All right. Let me say this again. Holiness is a condition of the heart that manifests in our outward actions and words. It is always from the inside out. How many of you heard that song from Hillsong, uh, from the inside out? Everything connected to the Christian life begins first on the inside. It begins right here. If something's not right inside, sooner or later, it's going to come out in your actions. It's going to come out in your words. It it has everything. Everything in the New Testament is connected to the heart. I'm not talking about the physical pump that's keeping me alive right now. I'm talking about your spirit, man. I'm talking about everything. Your spirit man, your emotions, come on somebody. If your heart isn't right, it's going to lead you into the ditch. It's going to take you off the path of life. Amen? All right. But listen to this. An unbeliever cannot live a holy life apart from Jesus Christ. You just can't do it. So don't, as I'm talking about this, you know, don't get stuck on, okay, you know, if I just do this and this, I'm okay. No, it starts on the inside first. And an unbeliever, first of all, doesn't have that born again experience. They don't have a heart change. All right? So any good work, listen to this, any good work outside of making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, first of all, you know what the Bible calls that? Dead works. Because it's not earning you any favor with God, you're still on the outside. Are you hearing me? You're not in the family of God. All right? So it first begins on the inside when a person makes Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. But holiness is a state of being free from sin, it means to be separate from sin, separate from the world, separate from the devil's kingdom. It's a lifestyle. Say holiness is a lifestyle, and it begins on the inside of me. All right, it does. Holiness is the lifestyle that God, uh, that not only God wants us to live as Christians, as His children, but He requires it. He requires it. This this is not an optional thing. Go to First Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. This is a heavy topic, and I realize it might not be shouting material, but it's important to God, and it should be important to us. Amen? on. All
1: right.
0: 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. It says this, "Therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your to the former lust or before you came to Christ, as in your ignorance," But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. That's talking about works. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. All right. The phrase that is used there, let's break this down a little bit. Gird up the loins of your mind. What in the world is he talking about here? It comes from the idea back in Bible times when individuals, uh remember, Yeah, in Bible times they wore long robes, right? And they had to gird up their loins, meaning they had to pull up the robes and they had to put a belt around them so they wouldn't trip when they got up and they had to go do some war or up for action, all right? So what this is saying is that we need to put the belt around our mind so we don't trip and fall into sin. You following me here? Now, what's interesting is Ephesians 6 talks about the spiritual armor for Christians, all right? And one of which is, go figure, the belt of truth. The belt. Isn't it neat how the Bible just, all the verses just come together like, there's no contradiction in the word of God. It's, it's one book, not many. Come on, somebody, say amen to that. But anyways, it's the belt of truth. And the truth that Ephesians 6 is talking about is what? The Word of God. The Word of God is truth. So, in other, in other words, we are to gird up the loins of our mind with the belt of truth. Or renew our minds with the Word of God. Are you awake out there today? Yes. <laughs> Say, I'm going to renew my mind with the Word of God, God. and I'm going to enjoy doing it. I take delight delight. in the Word of God. God. All right, hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so so other than first of all getting born again, getting saved, uh, to live a holy life begins in your thought life. All right, remember outside of Christ, living a holy life, you're, you're, it, the good works you're doing are in vain. All right, you come to Christ, and now guess what? Your new life begins, and it should be a holy life. All right, so we have got to get control of our thought life if we're going to control our outward actions to live a holy life. I'm telling you, I, I hammer this, I hammer this, I can't get off of it. But everything begins right up here in your thought life. Everything. It's it's amazing, the word of God, how much it talks about the thought life. Because you can't live the Christian life by accident. It's an on-purpose effort. And it it takes you every day getting up and saying, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to do what's right. Every day, it's uh, oh, this situation comes. No, I'm going to have to push this aside because I want to please Jesus. Amen? Amen? So God says, be holy for I am holy. So there it is. That's the official command from heaven for us, his children, to live holy on earth. Right there. God is holy because he is totally separate from sin. Separate from everything that the world stands for. He is worlds apart. Universes apart from that. Amen? Amen? And he requires his people to be the same way. Now, I hear people say, sometimes you'll hear people say... You know what? That's impossible to live a holy life on this earth. Well, then I I guess you must know something that God doesn't. Because, I mean, if he said to do it, I mean, hey, (laughs) you must know something. You must have a secret that yeah, he doesn't know. No, it is possible. It's not impossible. It is possible. But it takes commitment. It takes discipline. Oh, there's that D word. Say discipline. Oh, that's a tough word, isn't it? Because if it was impossible to live holy, listen to this, God would be unjust in requiring something from us that we would not be able to do. And if that is the case, we might as well just take this book and throw it away right now. Because we can't base our faith on it. We wouldn't be able to trust God. Right? Right. Pretty bold statement but it's a fact jack any jackson here today <laughs> it it is a fact but the fact fact is god is just and he is commanding something that we are well able to do and the reason god can require us to live holy is because he has given us a new heart the bible says and he has given us the holy spirit on the inside to live that holy life I love that about God. Not only does he require something, but he gives us all the tools we need to fulfill it. Amen? So, go to Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36. I want to show you something. This is a passage that's prophesying about the new birth experience that is to come after Jesus' death, all right? Listen to this. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you, cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Well, Pastor James, how do I know if I'm, be, if I'm filled with the Spirit? How do I know if I'm being led by the Spirit? Because you're going to have a desire to do the things of God. Right. You're going to have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Pastor James, how, many, uh, how do you know if I'm in the flesh? Well, you're not going to have the desire to do the things of God. You're not going to take delight in the Word of God. right? Right? I mean, come on, let's just break it down. It's so simple. Because the Holy Spirit will always, all, say always, He will always bring you back to the Word. He's always leading us to the Word. In fact, your spiritual walk, you won't go any higher. than that high. You'll go as high as you hold the Word of God high in your life. Alright? But listen, it always comes back to the decisions that we choose to make. We have a free will to choose good or evil as Christians. It's not automatic, right? We're not robots. But God says this. He goes, choose life. Stay on the narrow road that leads to life. I'm giving you my spirit to help you stay on it. Amen? So holiness is the path to life because it leads to the blessing of God on our life. You could say it this way. It positions us to be blessed. Say position. Listen to this. As I was studying for this, the Lord brought this to me. And this is interesting. Something for you to just think about throughout the days to come. Holiness is what Adam and Eve had before they yielded to to temptation and sinned. Holiness is what made it possible for Adam and Eve to live in the Garden of Eden. Holiness is what made it possible for Adam and Eve to enjoy God's presence. Holiness is what made it possible for them to stay connected to God. To keep that line of fellowship with Him. It was holiness. Well, how can you say that, Pastor James? Because it was the moment they sinned, the cord was cut. And Literally, all hell broke loose on earth, and the curse came. Holiness was God's highest requirement for man in exchange for his very best in your life. His presence, his love, his protection, his power, his security. Remember, don't ever forget this. God's commands are simply... His boundaries to keep us in the blessing zone. How many of you want to stay in the blessing zone of God? Amen. Amen. Ah, man. Uh, Because it's scary when we step out of it, isn't it? When we step on the devil's real estate. Oh, it's a bad place to be. And, And if you messed up, you stepped out, guess what? You can get back in. Amen. Amen. Isn't it great that you don't have to wait? You don't have to pray uh, 35 Hail Marys. Are you hearing me? You don't have to rub some stones together. Come on, somebody. Confess your sins. Confess. Repent. Get Just get back. Oh, and he throws it away. So if he throws it away after you confess and forsake that sin, why are you still holding on to it? See? A lot of times we are our worst enemy. And Satan knows that. And so he plays these mind games with us. Someone needs to hear this right now. He plays these mind games with us. So we're always reminding God of what we did. And God's saying, hey, you know, this has been taken care of. You confess this thing. You've forsaken it. You haven't gone back in that. Amen? But anyone who calls the commandments of God legalistic or outdated, how many of you know that's one of the big things in society now is oh, yeah, that was 2,000 years ago that book's kind of outdated oh, I'll tell you they don't know God they right. don't know his word they're, they're just out of the loop that's right. they're loopy <laughs> they're, I mean, come on but Another reason that God requires his people, Christians, to, to be holy is because we are God's building on this earth. He lives in us. We need to maintain a temple that's fit for the king. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. Ah, I already know that scripture. Yeah, we'll read it again, okay? Okay. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, it won't hurt you. Amen? It's like medicine to you. All right. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. See, God took us. The building. And by making us righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, he has not only repaired us, spiritually speaking, but is in the process of building us back together for his holy habitation. Oh, come on, follow me, somebody. If God is going to dwell in us, then he requires that we be holy as he is holy. This is interesting. Just like Jesus said, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And we should be confident enough to say, hey, if you just watch my lifestyle, you're going to see Jesus living through me. You see the progression there? How many of you want people to see Jesus living in you? Amen. I mean, that's what it's all about. After all, we are part of the body of Christ. Notice it's singular, singular. All right, it's not plural. Bodies as many. We're many members, but it's one body. We're representing Christ. And really, that's the standard. That's another reason God requires us to live holy. Because guess what? As a Christian, you're in a fishbowl. You are being watched. And I'll tell you right now, you know, you know it. The first thing that, what does an unbeliever say the first time they see you mess up? Hypocrite hypocrite then then they use that excuse all the way to hell you know you know you're right but needless to say sad to say our actions do either persuade or push people away from jesus christ and so this is very important amen all right go to james chapter one James chapter one, look at verse twenty six and twenty seven. You having fun yet? All right. And it says this: If anyone among you thinks he is religious, I like, I like it. Thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, this is interesting. This is an interesting passage, and and I've heard this so many times quoted by people. And many times, Christians will mention, they'll pull out two parts out of there. The orphan's part and the widow's part. All right? But they leave off the last requirement to have pure and undefiled religion in their life. To keep oneself unspotted from the world. I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but sin and worldliness is a spiritual cancer. Right. It will eat you for lunch spiritually. So in other words, if, if you are spotted by worldliness, your religion is not pure. And it is defiled, even, come on, listen to this. The Holy Ghost illuminated this to me when I was writing this. He said, even, let me say it again. Let me break this down, ready? Let me take a deep breath. All right. If you are spotted by worldliness, your religion is not pure, and it is defiled, even if you are visiting widows and orphans the holy ghost made that so clear to me you can visit all the widows you can visit all the orphans you want but if you have worldliness you're still unpure and defiled before god i mean there are some christians that do some really great things for others on a service level you know feeding the hungry and all this this is great yeah. but they're full of worldliness They can't bridle their tongue. And God says, God says, you're defiled. Even if you're doing good things for others. So listen, the Holy Spirit just illuminated this, that we need to be brutally, say brutally. Brutally. We need to be brutally honest with ourselves when we examine our hearts, when we examine our lives. Because how many of you know it's so easy to hold on to something from, from Satan's kingdom and try to appease, appease our conscience by doing some service act for some other people. Come on. So sin and worldliness, they put, it puts spots and blemishes on God's building. Go to James 4. Go to James 4, verse 4. James 4, 4, 4, 4 and 4, okay? <laughs> All right, listen to this. This is a very strong passage. I mean, th- this is pretty harsh, and it's, this is New Testament stuff here. It says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, that is some incredibly strong language. You agree? Yes, sir. So now we know that this just isn't tiddlywinks to God here, all right? We know that God is really taking this holiness message pretty serious. To the fact where he calls us adulterers and adulteresses, God, my goodness, that's pretty strong, but it's true. There are so many scriptures about holiness, and we'd be here all day and I'd miss my flight to Tulsa tomorrow. If we stayed here... (laughs) Yeah, you don't care. I want to get down to Winter Bible Seminar, all right? Go to Ephesians 2. All right. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. And it says this. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitly fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Now verse 22 there is interesting, because... It reveals to us that growing in holiness is a process. Say process. It says in whom you also are being built. Are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. You see the holiness process is called sanctification. That's, that's the big word. And you know, there are things that I know now that I didn't know were wrong when I first got saved. Is someone out there following me today? You know what I'm talking about? And some things you were just clueless about. You got saved, you loved Jesus, but you kind of continued on some things that wasn't, wasn't good. And so you, you were reading the Word, you were getting into the Word, and all of a sudden you just came across the verse that was like, Sorry, God. <laughs> and he brought light to that thing. All right? So this is the thing, that we need, to, we need to take time to pursue God and his word with our whole heart. And in this process of sanctification, the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. So this is what I want to say to some of you. You, you must be patient with yourself in the sanctification process because uh, there's, it's so prevalent in counseling and stuff that people, you know, they come to me, I don't know if I'm saved, I don't know if I'm saved, and they're always battling. am I saved, am I saved Well, oh, I was doing this and I didn't know it was wrong? You see what I'm saying? Right. You've got to be patient with yourself because Rome wasn't built in a day, Amen. And we are being uh, put together here. But it's a process. It's from glory to glory. The revelation will come. And do this. Just say, Lord, if there's anything in my life that is not pleasing to you, show me. Lead me in your word. Show me. I I, want to get rid of everything. See, if you have a pure heart like that, you better believe the Holy Ghost is going to answer that one. Because that's what he wants to do. All right. In fact, some of you have been doing some things that you didn't, haven't had peace about, anyways. Well, guess what? That's the Holy Ghost knocking on your heart. And maybe you just haven't recognized it, but that's, that's the Holy Ghost. Say, hello, no peace. Don't go there. I hear that knocking a lot, by the way. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go there. All right. So, anyways, it's a, it's a process. It's a process. We need to be patient with ourselves. And, but, but listen, that, me saying that is not a license to sin, but rather it's, an, it's encouragement to you uh, not to fall into self-condemnation and in allowing the enemy to play mind games with you. You following me? All right? We want to stay away from self-condemnation. All right? We don't like that. Say, that's bad. But listen, we are responsible to, uh, to obey what we do have knowledge of right now. Okay. What you know is wrong, you have responsibility to stay away from that thing. All right? So, uh, you know, with this holiness thing, some of the plans that God has for you and me will not come to pass unless we're living that life of holiness. It just won't. Unless we willingly set ourselves aside to be used by Him, <laughs> well, give me some scripture on that. Okay, I'll give you a good one right here. The Bible says, uh, "Don't be foolish or don't be wicked." It says, "Why should you die before your time?" Whoa! Wait a minute. Why? But I, I just thought that when we died, that's just the perfect. Will of God for that day? No. Oh, no. No, not the case. So you're telling me then that people who go out, get sloshed, sit behind the wheel, run in, kill some people, kill themselves. You're telling me that's the will of God? Well, if you believe that, I want to meet you up here and I want to pray the sinner's prayer with you because uh, the Bible is clearly says that you can die before your time. Right. Right. And it all stems from the decisions that you and I make. Think think about the responsibility. But but Pastor, I thought God just will ran everything and we don't have any part in it. You're wrong. We have a huge part to play in this thing. Huge part to play. Everything that happens on this earth is not the will of God. If it well, if if you think it is the will of God, then well. I guess you think that rape, molestation, murder, um, all these things that are going on right now are the will of God. Because I'll tell you right now, somewhere on this earth, those things are happening right now. And it's not the will of God. And it takes the church to rise up. It takes the church to rise up and pray. It takes the church to rise up and preach the word. Are you hearing me? It takes the church to rise up and kick down the gates of hell. you hearing me, somebody? Many Christians have never come into the place of holiness. They prayed the sinner's prayer hoping for fire insurance and that's as far as it went. Many are not pursuing holiness. They hold on to the phrase that ignorance is bliss. Well, I'll tell you right now, you know what ignorance will do for you? Get your butt kicked by the devil. I'll tell you right now. Because God says in Hosea 4.6, he said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Are you hearing me, somebody? Ignorance will simply cause uh, the devil to get, you'll give place to the devil, Ephesians 4.27. Now, our main motive here is, I'm getting ready to close, all right, almost, maybe. Um, Now, our main motive for living a holy life is not to get. Hello, somebody. Our main motive for living a holy life as Christians ought not to be, to get but rather to obey God because he first loved us. All right? It is a response to God's love for us. But in the obeying, come on, somebody, there are benefits. There are benefits. It is profitable for you and I to live holy. Come on, I'm not telling you it's wrong. Hey, I love getting blessings from the Lord. Amen? But I'm saying our primary motive is to obey God, to please him. And in the pleasing, in the obeying, there are benefits. So what are the benefits of living a holy life? Let me just share a few with you. Holiness causes us to get closer to God and to enjoy his presence. Look at James 4.8. James 4.8. Stay awake for me here. Uh, I'm hitting you pretty hard today, all right? James 4.8. You might not remember everything I said. But there's probably something the Holy Spirit illuminates to you in this message. One, two, maybe three points. And that's all you needed from today. That's all the Holy Spirit said you needed for today. Amen? Amen. James 4.8 says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. All right? So every act of obedience to the word of God that you and I do, that it takes us a step closer to God. And then God takes a step closer to you. Every holy act that you do. Listen, the word holy means to be separate. Okay? Whatever's opposite of the world and in line with the word of God. Every, everything you do in that context, you take a step closer to God, God takes a step closer to you. I mean, the Lord even brought this to my remembrance. Or to, just to my mind here. Is that, come on, how many of you know that the world thinks it's foolish to give tithe and offering to the Lord. How many of you know God requires it? How many of you know if God requires it, it's a holy act? So when you do it, guess what? You're drawing nigh to God. And then he draws nigh to you. Pastor James, you shouldn't talk about money like that. Why not? The Bible does. See, these are the stupid mindsets that Christians get. You know, this political correctness. Oh, you can't talk about money behind the pulpit. Watch me. Because God says a lot to say, has a lot to say about money. Amen? Amen? All right. So, but I want you to notice that we initiate intimacy with the Lord and his presence. We must move on earth before anything moves in heaven. Draw near, draw near to God. Come on. And then what? Then he draws near to you. Some of you are waiting on God and God's waiting on you. God, you know, you just kind of have your own pity party. You know, you're kind of in a funk. You know, how many of you have ever been in a funk? You're kind of having a pity party. God, send revival, send revival. He goes, well, get up, draw near to me, and I'll draw near near to you. And I'll set your heart ablaze. Are you hearing me? Oh, glory to God. So we determine, John Bevere mentioned this, we determine our level of intimacy with God. And I'm telling you, and that all ties into the holiness walk. (laughs) Psalm 140 I oh, love the Word of God. Huh? On. Yeah. Psalm 140, verse 13. It says, Surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name. The upright, underline that. The upright shall dwell in your presence. One, oh, I'm telling you, one fruit of living a holy life Is to have a thankful heart unto God. How many of you know the world? They're not thankful to God. The the unsaved, the sinner, they're not thankful to God. But a Christian should be. We're required to have it. Therefore, it's a holy act. You give thanks to God, you're taking a step closer to him. He takes a step closer to you. You know, in fact, one of the characteristics mentioned in 2 Timothy about the great falling away at the end times, how many of you know we're in the end times right now? One of the fruits of the falling away from the faith is unthankfulness. Careful now. How thankful are you toward God? When's the last time you just lifted your hands and just praised him and thanked him for your life? Amen. And it said, "The upright shall dwell in your presence." Well, that word "upright" simply is talking about a, uh, a believer who's living a holy life, the upright. OK? John 14:21. I'm going to kind of go through these a little quicker here. OK. John 14:21. Just wiggle around in the seat a little bit, and it'll hold you over for the next couple minutes here, all right? Um, you trust me, I've been there, done that, okay? I've been in the seat before. Now I'm just the one uh, blessed to be up here preaching, all right? Now, John 14, 21. I paid my dues, though, all right? All right. He who has my commandments, Jesus said, and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus said, Keeping his commandments will cause his, his presence to manifest in our life. Compliments of the Holy Ghost. How I many of you know Jesus isn't coming down from? Jesus and the Father's up in heaven. But we can enjoy the presence of Jesus, compliments of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what he's talking about. And he talks about keeping his commandments. He says, hey, basically, Pastor James, how do I know if I love God? You're going to keep his commandments. Right? Right? Psalm 5. Go there with me quickly. Psalm 5, 4 through 6. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight, yet you hate all workers of iniquity. You shall destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Okay, now jump with me to verses 11 and 12. But let all those who rejoice in their, uh, rejoice, <sighs> tongue-tied much. But let all those who rejoice, <laughs> you thought I was singing a spiritual song, didn't you? But let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O oh Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as with a shield. The will of God is to surround you and I with favor like a shield. How many of you want favor in your life? Uh, one minister said it this way. He said, One, what did he say? One, one day of favor is better than a thousand days of labor. Right. We need the favor of God on our lives. Amen. All right. So, living a holy life, committed to God and His Word, will create a shield of favor around you. Yeah. Now, as we pursue holiness, God becomes more real to us, and we begin to move in His perfect will. If we know that living a holy, uh, living holy will allow us to enjoy His presence, like we're determining here. More and more. According to the, uh, according to the last couple of verses, right? Living a holy life. His presence. We can enjoy His presence by living a holy life. We establish that, right? Then we can apply Psalm uh, 1611. Look at this. Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So this verse reveals to us that we will not enjoy the the fullness of joy without experiencing the presence of God. If you haven't experienced the presence of God in your Christian walk yet, you have not tasted the fullness of joy that God wants to take you to. Then to experience the presence of God, we need to live holy. Holy. So you could say then that you will not experience the fullness of joy without living a holy life, a life that is 100% sold out and committed to God. Now listen, I I just want to just mention this one. There are physical health benefits to living a holy life. Physical health benefits. Uh, I'll talk about that more at another time at a healing service, but I want to encourage you, do your own study on that. I mean, the Bible is full of of Scripture and accounts that living a holy life has some awesome health benefits. Physically, all right? Perfect health is the will of God, by the way. Sister and brother took hold of that fact, and they put it into action, amen? Now, holiness brings us to a place in God where we not only become sensitive to his spirit, but we become sensitive To his voice. Living holy clears all the junk that would clog up our spiritual ears. Alright. I'm just throwing some things out to you toward the end here. I'm kind of trying to be quick too. Holiness opens the door to revelation. Not only of the word, but of ourselves. I want to show you something. Go to 1 Corinthians 2. How many of you want more revelation? Heard that third day song? Revelation? I like it. All right. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, it says, But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them, those things, to us through his Spirit, the Holy Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God it says revelation prepared for those who love him right. say who love him. who love him so what does it mean to love god does it just mean to say god i love you i think we just ex- established that from john 14:21 jesus said if you love me you're going to keep my commands so you can see now revelation more revelation knowledge is prepared for those Who love God. Or who keep His commands. Can you see how holiness fits into this equation here? Alright, now, last one here. Yep, it's the last one. Take a deep breath, say, he's almost done. Alright, Isaiah 6. Say, pastor's almost done. And he will be out of the state by tomorrow morning. All right. All right. Isaiah 6, 1 through 8 here, real quickly. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a th- throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings, and two he covered his face, and two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Wouldn't you love to have an experience like that? So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Now, this is powerful. A couple points I just want to pull out before I leave. The prophet Isaiah was a holy man. How many of you would disagree with me on that? How many of you would agree? The prophet Isaiah was a holy man who's used by God mightily. Amen. And the Lord opened his eyes into the spirit realm to see the glory of God and even to have a vision of Jesus himself. Now, when Isaiah was in the midst of this vision of the glory of God, it caused him, this is important, listen to me, it caused him to measure himself according to the splendor and holiness of God. And he's seen how filthy still he was in the light of the glory of God. Follow me now. That's a good place to be in. Well, that is a good place to be because many times we as Christians, we, we compare our walk with someone else's walk. Well, I'm better than that person. Well, look what that person's into. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm a whole lot better than that person. Come on, somebody. Our standard of living is Jesus Christ, and it's not anybody else around you. Our standard is the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And someone needs to hear this. Someone, someone's pretty special out there today because the Holy Ghost interrupted my sermonizing here last night to give a personal word to somebody, okay? Someone needs to hear this right now. I want you to notice that Isaiah received this experience in the year, it says, in verse 1, that King Uzziah died. The importance of this is, this was an emotional, this, this was a low point emotionally for the prophet Isaiah. Big time. He was down. I mean, he, he was grieving, and he was in the dumps. Listen, somebody, somebody needs to hear this. Sometimes it is in the greatest tragedies and losses in our life is when the greatest spiritual breakthroughs come. Come on, somebody. Romans 8, 28 says that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And what the enemy meant for evil, God turns around for good. Not that God caused that situation. He didn't. But God can turn it around. Listen to me. Someone right now, I don't know who it is, someone is watching me, someone is listening to me right now, That has been in so much sorrow, so much grief because of tragedies in your life. And God wants you to know that breakthrough is on its way. And you are about to experience his glory and presence like never before. And he is going to, this came to me, I mean, this is a personal word for somebody. God is going to use you, whoever it is, to shake cities with revival. Someone. I mean, you, you thought all hope was gone and lo- oh my goodness, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost hitting me right now. Someone is going to be ignited right now listening to this message and God is going to use you in a mighty, mighty way. Cities. That was the word. Cities are going to be ignited for Jesus Christ. Revival. I want you to notice too that when God said to Isaiah, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? That's interesting. It says, Whom will go for us? Shouldn't he say, Who will go for me? For God? No. He said, Us. Who's he talking about? Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Yes. The Trinity. That's for all the, uh, uh, what do you call them? Jesus only, yeah, people, all right? The oneness doctrine. It's, it's not biblical. There is a Trinity, and you have to be pretty spiritually blind not to see it in the Word of God, Okay. But listen, Isaiah without hesitation said, Here am I, send me. And that was music to God's ears. Holiness will motivate you and give you a hunger to be used by God. And people ask me a lot, people who feel called into the ministry, they say, yeah, How do I know if this desire to be used in the ministry, to be a pastor, to be an evangelist, whatever, how, how do I know if it's really of God? I say, It is of God. If you have that desire, that's not from the world, buddy. Brother, sister, if you have that drive in you, that's from the Holy Ghost. Amen? All right. So, anything in the world that you're holding on to does not compare to living a life of total surrender to Jesus Christ. And that's what we were created to do from the beginning of time. And that is the only path uh, to living a meaningful, joyful, and satisfied life on this earth. It is truly the pathway to freedom. Amen? Amen. So do what it takes to stay on the path of life. Will you do that? Then stand up. Hallelujah. I know that was a long one, but I had to release that word. Had to. Jesus. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord, for the word of the living God. But maybe there's someone in here right now you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life and you're playing Russian roulette with your life. Russian roulette with your eternity. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life I want you just to come forward and I want to have the privilege of praying with you to get another birthday. The born again experience. Now maybe there's someone in here you prayed the sinner's prayer in the past. But it really, you know, it was just fire insurance to you, and and it really wasn't a heart change. It was a counterfeit of the real thing. Or you just, you're in a backslidden condition, and today you want to come back to Father's house, because your provision's in Father's house, amen? If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, meet me over here by the drum set. Maybe there's someone in here you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. If you want to do that, you want to learn more about it, I want you to come forward. Maybe you need a prayer for healing or anything going on in your life. I want to pray with you. Just step over here. Any of you online, you have prayer requests, put it in the chat room. I want to pray with you. Any coming through? All right, we've got a few here. But those four things, you want to be born again. You want to rededicate your life to the Lord. You need the Holy Ghost baptism. You want prayer for healing. Come forward. Okay, we got some prayer requests online here. Bruce uh, Bruce and Joyce and their family, they are, uh, they're down in Texas. Bruce lost his father. And uh, they're down in San Antonio for the funeral. And they want to pray for safety for their flight home on Tuesday. So stretch your hands toward the camera. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you would encamp Bruce and the whole family, encamp every aircraft that they're on, every mode of transportation lord encamp them with your holy angels right now we plead the blood of jesus over the aircraft and over every vehicle right now lord bring them home safely and i pray you would mend their brokenness right now in the name of jesus lord god touch them pray for richard he is backslidden and needs deliverance pray that um that he'll see the light of jesus yes Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now for Richard. And I pray that you would send laborers into Richard's path in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would give him a, a Saul experience. I pray that your glory would fill that room, that place he's at right now, this very minute. That he would be able to see the filth of his own ways in the light of your presence, Lord. In the name of Jesus, touch him. And I command every devil that has him bound right now. Addiction, whatever it is, I command those devils to loose him right now in the name of Jesus for the scales to come off of his eyes and to see the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Dale, aha, my brother Dale from Australia, he's a, he's a regular on the chat room. Uh, let's see... Yeah, he wants us to pray for all those who have been affected by the fires in Australia. Something like over 200 people have been killed by these fires. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we command, Lord God, rain to come to Australia, physical and spiritual, in the name of Jesus. And, Lord God, we just pray that these fires would stop. We pray that there would be no more injuries, no more loss of life. Send your holy angels right now down under to encamp every person with your holy angels in the name of Jesus. All right, now also, we got to pray for my cousin Gabby. She lives in New New Jersey, actually. And she got an evil report from the doctor that the cancer has spread. So we really need to pray this thing down. In the name of Jesus, Gabby, we lift you up right now. I command every cancer cell in your body to die and dissolve right now. Every cancerous growth. I command you to be uprooted, dissolved in the name of Jesus, and I command your blood to be cleansed. I declare every word curse spoken over your life to be broken in the name of Jesus and that you will raise that son. She has a two-year-old son. In the name of Jesus, I declare life over you. Life in Jesus' name. And I command every demonic spirit that has a hold of your life to loose its hold and to leave you right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. One more. Alright, this individual wants us to pray for the homeless and orphans that orphans would have permanent godly homes. Praise God. Obviously someone was moved with compassion for them so we come in agreement with you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray that every orphan would find a home. Lord, big prayer but you're a big God. We pray, God, you'd connect those children with the right individuals and those who are in homes that they shouldn't be in remove them and put them in the right homes. And Lord God, we just pray that the body of Christ would rise up, Lord, and be a help to the orphans, to the widows, to the homeless, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, bless that individual, Lord, who wanted to pray for that. Just touch them with your presence now. Ain't everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you all for watching online. God bless you. Tune in next week. I'm out of here. See ya. All right, guys. Thanks for coming today, and I will be back in town Thursday, probably back in the office by Friday. We will see you then. God bless you. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus.